Hello and welcome to Meeple Syrup. It's Sen here and I'm flying solo, but you don't have to fly solo. And the reason why you don't have to fly solo is because this week's guests are Mike Mihilsik from the Coalition Game Studios and Matt Holden from Indie Game Alliance. So we have kind of this, uh, I don't know, almost a Star Wars thing going on with a coalition and an alliance and I'm flying solo without Daryl. Um, but we're here with our fine, fine guests. Care to say hello? There's Mike. Hey, how's it going? Good. And Good Matt. Hey. He's got his, his uh, Nintendo old school hat on, so we, we'll be able to tell them apart. Um, the M&Ms, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we want to talk about what their services are. Um, we'll start off with the Coalition Game Studios. So Mike, can you give us a little bit of the history behind Coalition Game Studios and Maybe a brief rundown of your services, and then we'll go into each of them very specifically as we go along. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So uh, Coalition started last year uh, in April, uh, we launched, and uh, it was kind of my idea of, uh, I noticed that there are a lot of games coming out every year, and a lot of these games don't have the same kind of quality assurance or, or oversight that uh, that professionally made games do, the, the, the kind of game development uh, that really benefits games, especially in that last 10%, to really make them the best games they can be. Mm -hmm. um, so with Coalition, I wanted to have a, uh, a an adaptable, customizable service where designers or small studios can send us their games, and we can develop them on a, on a basis where we... We provide different reports. We uh, we do different marketing spreadsheets. We do uh, all the information that they'll need, and we can also jump in and give them uh, actual development. We can give them design insights. We can uh, help to guide their game to its final iteration. So. Okay, cool. And Matt, how does that differ, or how similar is that to what IGA does? I mean, that that's one thing IGA does. Uh, I think really the as far as what IGA does development wise versus what Coalition does. IGA is kind of a, a strafe. You know, we look at it and say, you know, here's some top level things. Uh, Mike tends to get a lot deeper into things, um, which is, you know, is great uh, for, for a lot of folks that, that really kind of want that, that detailed uh, marketing analysis. Uh, what he does is second to none. Um, we do the development stuff as kind of part of a larger package of, of services that we offer. Uh, you know, we're kind of, we, we're, we're kind of a jack of all trades, master of, some if we can pull it off kind of thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mike, what do you think the, the if you could sell uh, the coalition on one specific thing, what would that one thing be? Uh, we're just basically freelance game developers. So you will actually sit down with a consultant. That consultant will follow you through your entire case. They're going to run all the playtest sessions, and they're going to keep in, in touch with you throughout the whole thing. Um, it's also really customizable. So I guess that's two things. I cheated. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Matt, if you were to you know, maybe follow my rules and say in what, <laughs> one thing that IGA does well? I think the biggest thing we do is bring together a community that that enables every aspect of game design, from from buying things to getting advice to development to playtesting to demos to conventions, all that. We try to make everything just a little bit easier. Okay, so uh, Matt, and one thing that I've definitely seen at um, conventions that Indie Game Alliance is really doing superbly well is making things really kind of affordable for the small design studios to actually have a presence at conventions and things like that. How are you working with a lot of people in, you know, developing booth space and all that kind of stuff? 
How does that work? Well, you know, that's something we're continuing to grow. Uh, basically, you know, what it boils down to is, you know, for a lot of these designers, a lot of folks that are our members, they've got one or two games, and they, in a lot of cases, are only have a couple hundred left from, you know, left over from a Kickstarter or something like that, and it's not cost-effective for them to go spend $1,600 on a booth at Gen Con and then travel there and then get the games there and everything else. They're going to spend $10,000 to sell 400 you know, $20 games. So what IGA tries to do is get all of our members to pitch in a little so that we can afford a really nice booth that stands out instead of a you know ten by ten little corner somewhere, and and then uh, we try to move all of those games so that they can kind of use our booth as a launching point for all of that stuff and and save a little money doing it. So really, you guys are a bunch of hippie commune. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, that's awesome uh, because I I don't. I don't come from the indie design world, as you guys know. I don't really design small. I design for you know companies that already have a presence and things like that. So it's really interesting hearing this. When I met uh, like Katie and and Jessica um, back for uh, back a while ago, it's it's seeing how their small product is growing bigger and bigger and bigger through working with people like the Indie Game Alliance. And just so you know, uh, in my hometown, IGA is a grocery store. So every time I say it, I think about, you know, going to a grocery store. We, we, we get that all the time. And, really? and if Yeah. Pe people ask us all, they're like, they're like, I went to IGA.com and it's a grocery store. Are you guys out of business? And <laughs> No, you're not. There you go. Yeah, it's like, it's like um, the, the, there is a Google. <laughs> <laughs> for a reason right okay <clears throat> so um mike you said you have consultants let's get deeper into that sure who are your consultants and why should we trust them <laughs> exactly right like you you're kind of when you think about going with the coalition you're, you're looking at like trusting one person that you probably don't know and giving them your game and then hoping that they have really good things to say about it after the end after you've already paid and everything like that um you can check us out. We actually run a blog. You can read all about our game theory and everything like that. And also some of our consultants are actually pretty strong. Um, we have uh, Gil Hova working for us. We have um, Kristen and Suzanne Zinsley. They do uh, some jobs from time to time. So um, the the team I'm really, really confident in. And so far we've had 100% satisfaction with everything. Oh, good. And are you, are you tracking satisfaction through surveys or feedback forms or things? No. <laughs> I probably should. No, no, nobody's, nobody's yelled at him. Right. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's been really happy. Your host so. down. That's good. Right. Yeah. Yet. Um, okay. And one thing that I did notice that you did, uh, Mike, is that you um, have made some links with, uh, was it Quantric Foundry? Yeah, you were Quantic Foundry. With? Yeah. Um, and how are you using their, you know, gamer profile engine to inform design development? So right now we're not. Um, okay. We are working on a pilot program. And the idea is that we want to take their model. Um, I guess I'll, I'll back up a bit for those that don't know uh, much about Quantic Foundry. They are a, um, a marketing analysis group that um, that does market research for video gaming primarily. Um, I approached them last year and wanted to use their... Uh, their system for the tabletop. Um, so I sponsored a study um, that so far the study has gotten over 50,000 responses. Uh, and then we've gone through a couple iterations of the survey. We've kind of refined it over time and tried to get the most meaningful data out of it. Yeah. Um, what that what they use that for with the video game uh, in, in the video game world is to answer very specific questions about marketing. For example, like um, what what psychographics respond better to what kind of you know uh, visual art styles or that sort of thing. 
Sure. Um, so what we're looking to do with that system in the future is to psychographically profile uh, playtesters and so that we can map out their preferences and also compare that to a larger map. Um, once we're able to do that, we can compare that to our survey results as we do focus group testing, that sort of thing. And we can, without actually having thousands and thousands of responses, we can actually take a smaller group and get a really good idea of a game's actual market value. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you're talking about further iterations of it, uh, because when I first did it, um, I found it quite lacking in, in, in the quality of questions. I, I'm a psychology mm. professor, so it's like, mm, that's <laughs> not quite how we do things. But anyways, right. it, it's definitely um, something that's hopefully going to be more and more useful as it gets further and further refined. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I like the idea, and I'm looking forward to seeing further iterations of the execution of it. Yeah. Um, and, and Matt, how, how scientific are you guys? Well, you know, we, we tend to do things the old-fashioned way, uh, but one, one of the advantages of us having, you know, convention teams, you know, all over the U.S. and now into Europe and, and Asia is, you know, we're, we're at shows pretty much every weekend. So, you know, we, we do try to get it in front of, you know, kind of, you know, flesh and blood playtesters, um, which, you know, Mike does as well. Um, I don't want to in any way take anything away from his service or, or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it, but something that, that it's easier for us to kind of get out there because we're trying to be playtesting and also marketing. Mm -hmm. So for us, uh, giving out a survey doesn't get you excited about playing the game. Uh, it's great for getting information that you can decide what to do with uh, privately. Right. Um, but as far as like, you know, a lot of our members are like, playtest it and also try to find me another 100 backers for my Kickstarter while you're at it. And so for that kind of stuff, we find the conventions work a little better. Mm -hmm. So if I was to, you know, make an analogy, um, you know, Matt, it sounds like Indie Game Alliance is very, you know, boots on the ground. Right? We try to be. Uh, we've okay. got a little over 300 volunteers now that, that do this. Uh, we're active on every continent except Antarctica. Wow. That's pretty cool. So yeah. uh, how many cons in... A year are is the alliance does the alliance have a presence at you think uh we were a little bit over i think it was 45 to 50 last year and we're hoping to double that this year wow um you know because we do we have the shows that that our core teams go to we have um core convention teams based in uh in my team here in florida and then we have one in uh, southern california and one in the new york area uh, we've also got smaller teams that do shows in the Midwest for us, and we're now working on onboarding teams that uh, that are over in Europe as well, uh, and they go to shows pretty constantly. But then our volunteers can go to any show they want and just set up shop and run demos, and they do a lot of that at their local, you know, IGA is probably never going to, you know, drive the, the caravan out to a, you know, 500-person show in the Midwest somewhere, but if a minion lives 10 minutes from it, you know, and they want to go run some demos, that's great. Right. And, and so you will ship out product to the various, um, you know, teams. Or That's correct. That, we okay. go, go ahead. Yeah, we, we have a we have a warehouse here, and the way it works is uh, our members will give us a quantity of games to uh, for us to distribute to our volunteers. It's up to them how much they give us or if they give us any. Um, 
And then what we'll do is our minions, whenever they go out and run an event, they earn loot points, uh, which they can then spend on our website to buy more games they want to play. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we just ship out whatever they chose. And then we have the advantage of we never send a demo game to an inactive volunteer because they had to earn the points to buy the game in the first place. And we never send a game to somebody who doesn't want to play it because they picked it. So we don't have to worry about, you know, sending a demo game and being like, I don't like worker placement games. And then that's a copy that never gets seen by anybody. Right. That's a neat way of doing it. Uh, we actually have uh, Shadow Fox on the feed here saying uh, Battle for Solaria, Boss Monster, Dead Men Tell No Tales have all been Indie Game Alliance games that they have really liked demoing for you guys. So one of your minions is, is yep. uh, Hi, Joe. telling us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, oh, um, Andy is asking, is this is the new time slot for Meeple Syrup? Or just worked? It just worked today. Uh, really, our new time slot will be on Thursday. So today, but at 3 o'clock so that we can get in our European affiliate. <laughs> That's a very fancy way of saying Dylan. Dylan will be back hosting the show with uh, Daryl and I from uh, France. So we'll get everybody together. But it'll be at 3 o'clock. This just happened to work for us today. Um, Mike, do you guys have a convention presence as well? No, actually. Um, our services actually come with customizable levels of uh, confidentiality. So if you want, we'll never tell anybody. You know, we can actually have our testers sign NDAs if you if you prefer. Um, if you would like us to post in the blog and, and promote just through our own channels, oh, yes, that's fine. Me? Oh, do we lose me? I heard you. Hello? Yeah. Hmm. Mike, did we, uh, can you say that answer again? Because I think we kind of lost the feed for a second. Sure, yeah, no problem. Can you hear yeah. me now? Is everything yeah, good? Yeah, I can. Yep. Ah, yep. beautiful. <laughs> so um, we uh, we don't really do a lot of conventions because our clients have a customizable level of confidentiality. Um, if you want, we can actually have NDAs signed by all of our playtesters, if that's your thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we could keep everything as, as quiet as you want. Um, or, you know, we can spread it on our, our social media or blog, that sort of thing. It's entirely up to the client. Excellent, excellent. Um, and with your development packages and things like that, what are we talking about in terms of cost to a designer? What would an indie designer be looking at for uh, the coalition services? Sure. Um, it's cost has been so tricky. It's it's so hard to actually like to put it to put a value to that. Um, I want to be as fair as I can to my developers, but also as fair as I can to the client, and also like as, as cheap as possible to make it accessible. Um, the the goal is for me to pay my developers about eighteen dollars an hour, um, and that includes the game time and also the time they spend you know arranging the uh, arranging the sessions, also the time they spend preparing the reports and that sort of thing. Um, we have a we have a lot of sliding scales. So if you want a good sure. example for that, you can just go to our website at coalitiongames.com and under rate reference that there are some examples there that just give you an idea of like how many sessions you want, um, you know, how many players it might have, that sort of thing. And it gives you a, a scale there. Okay. And so you'd really kind of build a quote for the person. Right. Yeah. It's, it's totally custom estimate invoices. Okay. And Matt, how about Indie Game Alliance? What does it cost to be a member of the Alliance? Well, we have, have a, a bunch of like stormtroopers. Uh, no, we don't know stormtroopers yet. I mean, we have okay. minions, so okay. there's that, but, um, uh, so we have two levels of service right now. We have our starter package, which costs five minutes of your time to sign up. It's completely free. Uh, and with that, you get, uh, 
our volunteers can demo for you if they happen to already have their game, if they were a Kickstarter backer or something along those lines. Uh, they can uh, go ahead and do those demos. We'll do you know some help with uh, crowdfunding and you know sh social media stuff, that sort of thing. And then our, our kind of premium package is IGA Pro, uh, which gives them access to a ton of uh, discounts from various uh, making things affordable, as you were saying, our convention presence, all that other stuff. And that runs 20 bucks a month. Oh, okay. And is it a is it a yearly subscription or is it like you can just kind of end it at any month? You can buy it month to month or you can prepay for three months or a year. And if you prepay, it gets cheaper the more you pay. Uh, but we don't have any sort of a term contract. Any month we don't earn your, mo your money, just cancel. Right. Okay, cool. And uh, as you were saying before, um, you'll do some social media work as well. How does that work out? So, you know, over time we, we've kind of been building up a social media presence. Um, you know, obviously nobody's got as many followers as they want. Um, but we, our network is very much uh, a community. So when we get a, a new alert from a Kickstarter from somebody, uh, we'll then start to share that on our systems. And we've got systems that, you know, we'll send it out periodically and so forth. And then as that happens, our community is very good about kind of cross-promoting each other's products because they know next month they're going to have a Kickstarter and they need somebody to share that for them. Mm -hmm. So all of our all of our uh, members do a great job of kind of teaming up to kind of get the word out and taking advantage of everybody's little small bubbles of, uh, of followers and community as well. And right. then, of course, our minions are out there doing uh, some social work as well as the, uh, the boots on the ground conventions and in game stores. Right. Oh, okay, so game stores as well. Tell me about that. Uh, I mean, it's the same same thing we do uh, with conventions. We just don't have a booth. We go into a store. You know, we'll we'll find out when their uh, when their game night is, and we'll show up with you know however many games the the minion has, and just set up shop and start teaching games. Uh, we try to do a lot of that during uh, you know when games are live on Kickstarter, trying to get out there and pound the pavement about them, and uh, you know various other times as well. And we help uh, we help retailers kind of identify great indie games that they might not have heard of through their local distributor that they uh, they might want to carry, and then we kind of pair them up with the uh, with the designers to get those uh, get those purchased and get them in the stores. Good. Okay, um, Mike, who would hire you? <laughs> is it what, what is that supposed to mean no <laughs> no um so if you are a designer and you are whether you're in your your first kickstarter whether it's your first design whether you're trying to get serious about publishing or if you are already an established one if you have a small studio that's already put out a few titles and you want an additional perspective um we can kind of customize the service to your needs so basically you just come to us when you want to make your game better okay so it is that, I mean, we often say on the show that it's that last 5% yeah. that is the hardest to do. And mm -hmm. so that's really what I think both of you are offering insight into you know, kind of different ways of getting that last 5% done. Um, so can you, can you, I don't know if you're allowed to, but can you name any products that uh, have gone through your services? So Matt, what is, what have, other than what I've said, so Battle for Solaria, Boss Monster, Dead Men, Tell No Tales, what other games have been repped by IGA that people might out there might know? I mean that that we represent over three thousand games from over five hundred designers, so are from publishers. But uh, we work with Greater Than Games, which is Sentinels in the Multiverse. We work with uh, Boss Monster, as you mentioned, Tasty Minstrel. I've got my demo copy of Belfort right over there. Um, 
We've got, uh, we work with Asmodi Games, not Asmodi, but Asmodi. Uh, Level 99, we're with uh, Gamelin Games that does the Tiny Epic series. Mayday is a member. Renegade is a member. Um, Minion Games, James Matthews Company is a member. Uh, Portal Games with Ignacy Chevyshek is a member. And I could go on and on. So it, it, at this point, what, that makes it so great for us with volunteers because basically if you're enough of a gamer that you want to be a demo rep, chances are you've already got a handful of games we support on your shelf already because we support just so many popular games. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and uh, Mike, what about you? So if you can name any names of games or products, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe you can't. Um, what has gone through the coalition process? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, right now, there aren't any of our clients that have had the open privacy policy right. that that would have a notable games. Um, I can tell you that, uh, that David Somerville has worked with us a bit. Um, he's sent us uh, one game. He's going to send us another one next year. So we're going to be working with him. Um, and that might be about all I can really tell you. Yeah, that, <laughs> this isn't really great for my advertising, right? We do stuff for people. Exactly. And, <laughs> Somewhere, and, maybe. <laughs> and I mean, maybe, maybe that's something you could do is, you know, offer a, a slight rebate if you can yeah. use their names in your testimonials, we, right? We do, actually. It's Maybe it's too small. It's only $10, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, for 10 bucks? No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, question for Matt from uh, Jonathan Lavely. How do you feel someone could make themselves noticed in that stream of 3,000 games that you support, Matt? How can well, they get noticed? Here's the thing. Uh, different. All of our volunteers have different, I, I presume, and, and please feel free to uh, submit a follow-up if I've uh, kind of misunderstood your question, that you're talking about how you get noticed among our volunteers uh, in terms of getting demos. And that's just a question of everybody's got fans. Uh, so what we try to do is get all of our studios to recommend uh, joining our volunteer program to their fans, which is a great way to kind of get people who are already rabid about your game active and involved. Uh, generally speaking, our, some of our most active members are demoing so frequently. I mean, we've got one guy that does six days a week. And so he's earning so many points that he gets everything. You know, he grabs everything new and tries it out. We also, all of our pro members, we send out their games automatically to all of our convention teams, and they go to our little libraries that we run uh, at any show we do. Okay. So, so they'll be there. Okay, and then so, what our... What? No, I was just going to say, so IGA has like a... In some conventions, maybe they are running the game library? Is that uh, what we normally do is run a library of our own as an okay. event. Uh, we are working with some of the some of the conventions to kind of work with that. We want to kind of work more closely with the kind of the main game libraries of conventions. Where the challenge comes is that a lot of times the games we're working with, we have limited quantities to demo mm -hmm. uh, because there aren't that many to sell with. And it's like, here's one of my two copies. If you donate it to the Gen Con library or something, that's you know that's great. It's in the Gen Con library, but then you know, you might not see it again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for us, having one copy that goes where we do works out, but it doesn't always match up with kind of the way that the, the libraries want it to work. So, right. you know, but it all depends on, you know, each show does it just a little bit different, and we try to kind of match the sort of culture of that show and the way they like to do things. Right. Is uh, Smirk and Dagger part of IGA? Yes, they are. Well, there you go, Jonathan. Jonathan publishes through Smirk and Dagger. So. That's how you... Yeah, you, that's, yeah here's... Uh, here's uh, to go do all these shelves is all my Smirk and Dagger stuff. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. 
Yeah, everything um, you see on the shelves behind me is IGA. Okay, so IGA has had has done something with all the games that are behind you. Correct. But that's not that's not the three thousand. But that's oh no 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 that I I would need the bigger house. <laughs> okay, uh, and Mike, what what do you hope for the coalition? What do you hope it becomes? Uh, really, I would hope that in the long term we can start getting uh, regular contracts with small studios, so that these smaller studios that are putting out games on a regular basis so they can ac have access to professional level quality assurance without actually having to hire someone on staff. So right. it's, it's almost like kind of like they, they would outsource work to a, to an illustrator or a, or a you know, graphic designer, that sort of thing without having to hire them. They can do the same thing for us for development. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and in the end from both of you, we'll start with Mike, what, what do you hand back? What do you hand over to the designer or publisher about what you've done with their product? What do they get? I think the biggest thing, and, and from what I understand from our clients' feedback, the biggest thing that they get is a new perspective on their game. Um, a lot of the a lot of our clients send us a game that they feel is very finished, that they feel is very refined, and we give a very very in depth analysis of you know what what it is that we observe during playtesting, certain problems that we identified, um, sometimes solutions to correct certain problems or certain proposals, that sort of thing. Um, when when designers look at that, they say, whoa, this is this is a lot to think about. This is a lot of information. And I don't think that it's, it's really difficult to find that kind of insight uh, unless you have submitted your game to a publisher and that, and that publisher's developer actually gives that to you, so. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like, from the beginning, you said that you know you kind of saw a, a market for this because there were a lot of projects coming out via Kickstarter mm -hmm. predominantly right. that were a little, I mean, we can say half baked maybe. Sure. And so you guys are, you know, you're baking, you're full, you're full on baking. <laughs> right on. <laughs> is that what, is that what, we're we're baking and we're making sure the cooks are good too. Right. Okay. And and Matt, what do IGA uh, members get at the end of it all? Is there like something you hand over to them or there's statistics? Well, um, I mean, there really isn't an end to what we do. Um, you know, Mike's service, I think, is kind of project focused, whereas we're kind of an, an always there sort of thing. Uh, so when we do play tests, uh, our volunteers will, like I said, they submit these reports that they have to to get their loot points. Those get immediately emailed over to the publisher uh, or the designer to say, you know, here's what the feedback we got at this show on this day with this many people and this expansion installed in the game. This is what happened. Uh, when we do play testing, they'll also get uh, detailed feedback from our play testers and developers as well, uh, kind of going over things. Uh, you know, they'll also get reports on uh, various other things we do uh, as far as, you know, when we sell games for them at conventions, they get a report of what we sold and obviously a cut of the, uh, the profits, uh, things like that. We also, you know, like I said, they, we, we encourage our minions to share on social media what they're doing and tag the studios so they'll see, you know, hey, here's some guy I've never met demoing my game in Seattle when I live in South Korea. You know, this is pretty cool. Uh, we have, uh, you know, I use South Korea as an example. We have one gentleman that's uh, a member. He's an active duty uh, member of the, the military. And right. he's he's designed a game. And he's like, I'd love to go to conventions, but I'm sitting here in South Korea and I can't go anywhere. So, you know, we kind of serve as his avatar at, at various shows. Right. Cool. Um, and we just got a mention here from Shadow Fox, from Joe, that 
IGA does RPG stuff as well. So can you tell us about what sort of RPG work you're doing? So RPGs are a relatively new category for us, and we're still kind of fleshing that out. Uh, we've also had a few folks that do miniatures games that have asked about joining, and, and I'll admit that I'm a little... Uh, I'm a little ignorant on the the miniatures game scene, and I've, I've been working with a gentleman who has graciously offered to sort of tutor me on that. Um, on the RPG front, uh, again, it's it's all the same stuff in terms of demos and playtests, and you know, one of the big things we do for RPGs is actually go through and edit the manuals for consistency, clarity, uh, just trying to make sure that you know what's on page two jives with what's on page three hundred eighty six, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, you know, so that, that's something that we're still developing. Uh, it takes a, a special breed of volunteer to be able to go and run a four-hour RPG session as opposed to an RPG, or as opposed to a board game where everything you need is in the box and you read a six-page manual and you're ready to go. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. You know, that, so we're in the process of kind of developing a sort of elite core of RPG GMs that are willing to go and, and do that. Um, we we do ask that all of our members who want us to demo RPGs do provide us with some sort of like watered down demo module that we can use, so that the volunteer isn't expected to actually like come up with their own unique campaign and that's so forth. That's probably a smart thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, cool. So, Mike, at the start of the show, you'd mentioned reports. I like reports. What kind of reports? <laughs> I do. What kind of reports does the coalition provide? How detailed are they? And what What's the nitty gritty? Yeah, so the um, we do a few different documents that we hand over to the client at the completion of the service. Um, the main one is our critical evaluation report, and that's going to assess your game uh, across several different uh, areas. Uh, and that report is generally very, very in depth. It's usually at least fifteen hundred words. Uh, you get a good, good, strong analysis on there, and that's also something that you can take and you can forward that because that's an impartial third party evaluation. You can show that to a publisher and say, look, you know, we we did focus group testing. These are the results. You can post that on your Kickstarter and say, "Hey, this is this isn't us telling us telling you about our game. This is you know this is someone else." So um, that's that's a, a tangible you know a, a proof of service and that that really tells you exactly what we thought about the game, identifies its weaknesses and that sort of thing. Um, we also do a like a spreadsheet where we enter in our survey results. So um, you can enter in those. We get a few meaningful averages, and of course you can enter in um, you know your own custom questions. We can. Uh, do whatever you want with those. We do a few meaningful graphs. Um, it's not really exactly real market research. Like, don't take it like that. It's not like a, it's not supposed to be like a any. It's not supposed to be a uh, trying to find the word here. <laughs> it's supposed to be like a very right. Supposed to be a very definitive. It's not supposed to be a very definitive like numerical value, but it's, it's oh, okay. supposed to give you insights into you know how your it's game. A, it's performs. a trend. Right. Okay. Um, so. Uh, so in that regard, uh, so we were talking about third-party opinion and things like that. Now, I know there was a question raised. Actually, it's probably where I met you, mo- like met you in terms of virtually meeting you, <laughs> right. was on the, one, on the one post where people were talking about, you know, paid playtesting right. and how controversial that got so fast yeah. with, like, People like Jonathan Gilmore, a good friend of mine, uh, saying, you know, I'd never pay. And other people say, yeah, I'd pay gladly if it was good service. And then some people kind of in between. Um, And so the general consensus amongst the naysayers anyways, is that if you're paid to do the work, then how unbiased is your product? And so that's what I'd like to ask you. What do you think? 
No, can, I, can I say something on that real fast before I, you I jump in? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the thing that that I try to to impress upon folks is that we are not here, at, 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 you know, and and Mike too, because uh, I kind of rushed to Mike's defense on that particular post. Our mission is to make these games the best they can be for our clients. So for us, telling someone that um, telling somebody that there there's a problem with their game and it needs to be fixed is not th th there's no real reason for us to be biased about that and say, oh, it's great, and then they go to Kickstarter and it, and it doesn't sell. That doesn't achieve our objectives or our clients' objectives. They're paying us to make their game the best it can be, and sometimes that means making changes. So, you know, that there's if they're, they're not a situation where they're paying us to say, oh, yeah, it looks great. You know, they're, they're actually wanting us to, to make those improvements because they acknowledge that they might need them. Okay, yeah. Mike, what's your opinion? Right on, yeah, and I agree with what Matt's saying. Like, obviously, we we have a standard of service that we want to pass on to the client. Like, we we don't we want to make that as uncontaminated as possible. Um, it, one of the concerns that I do have, and I think that it is a legitimate thing, is if you have a playtester, an individual that you've paid to show up. Um, what I think is that that individual, if they receive any kind of direct monetary compensation to be there, uh, then that might give them at least in you know, at least in Western culture, that might give them a uh, a work ethic, a sense of work ethic, and that might affect the 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 cleanness of the blind test. If that makes sense, like if I, I want to be there to observe the natural responses of a blind playtester in the game environment, I want to make sure to to take notes when they're not paying attention or when they're you know just drifting off or when they're not having fun. Mm -hmm. If they're being paid, then they might want to have this sense of, oh, I should do a good job of playing this game, you know? So um, that's that's my concern with that. Um, as, as a result, we have our coordinators are the only ones that are actually getting paid. Um, they are responsible for compensating their play testers as they like. Um, usually what we do is just like baked goods or something something that's cost effective. We can't actually pay people to play the game, mm -hmm. but uh, you're, paying, you're paying your coordinator not just really to, to be there and play the game but for their time and also for their development insights they put a yeah. lot of work and a lot of hours into that so okay um we have a question from shadow fox joe is asking does coalition do game dev panels at conventions do you uh no we don't yet i really like to start uh looking at 2017 you know we're still kind of new so as we're getting on the map i'd really like to start getting to conventions you know um doing a bit of teaching a bit of qa that sort of thing that sounds really good yeah, I think it's a great idea. How about uh, IGA? What does IGA do in terms of panels and things? We've done a few. Uh, we do panels a lot about sort of, you know, who we are and various resources that are available to designers. We've done a panel that we call I Designed a Game, Now What? Right. Uh, you know, you know, because a, a lot of these folks, they, they don't, you know, they, they see a game on Kickstarter and they think, well, I've designed a game, and they don't really consider kind of the mountain of learning curve that there is in terms of like what I have to know about the freight forwarding lanes from China and Chinese New Year and manufacturing and GSM of card stock and I just want to make games. Right. And and so, you know, we kind of work with them to to give them sort of a, a primer about that. And we're like, this is what this is the syllabus of being a game publisher, you know. And for some folks, they say, yes, we want to learn that, and we start helping them learn that. For some folks, they say, uh, can I have a publisher's phone number? Because nope. You know, and 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 that's fine. You know, different strokes for different folks. I like that term, the, the syllabus. <laughs> yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense. 
totally and i mean that's that's exactly it for for me i mean i I don't want to, I mean, I know it all. I don't, I don't know it all, but I know a lot about manufacturing and <clears throat> the act of publishing and all that kind of stuff. I just don't want to have to deal with it. Uh, and so I, I don't know if I'll ever need either of your services, which is kind of sad because you guys are fun to deal with. Um, and I like what you do. In fact, I, I, I would actually recommend that some of the publishers that I work with would go to Indie Game Alliance or to Coalition, uh, not as me, but as, the higher up as the publisher saying, okay, we need this developed or we need, you know, people at conventions demoing our games and things like that. Uh, Cause a lot of the smaller publishers, even if they're, you know, perceived as being big, they still are probably pretty small in terms of manpower. And I think that's what both of your services do is it affords them um, any publishing house, any design house, it affords them to contract out services that, they don't have to send somebody to a convention to do or that, you know, they don't have to hire an in-house development team to do, or if their in-house development team is particularly busy on project A, that project B might need to go to be outsourced so that it doesn't, you know, miss the boat quite literally. Right. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of good things that you guys are both doing there, which is cool. Very cool. Um, is there anything that you can think of that you would like to add to your services in the future that, you know, people have asked you for, but you're not able to operationalize yet, or you don't understand how it works or what, what would that look like for you, Mike? Um, for us, I think that our next step is really going to be actually getting into real market research because um, with our relationship with the Quantic Foundry, we have certain tools that are able to provide large scale pictures. Uh, this is this isn't really known so much for the small designer, but mainly for, you know, uh, uh, publishing companies um, mm -hmm. that could actually come to us and say, hey, play this game 30 times and then tell us how we should distribute this game, tell us how many orders we should make of this game, that sort of thing. Um, I think if we can, if our pilot program with Quantic Foundry goes well, we'll be able to give measurable marketing metrics. And that's something I don't really think there's a whole lot of in the game industry right now, so. Yeah, I, I really don't think there is. I mean, I know there's people who that's what they do, mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's like a, a wide ranging service or a service that you know people even think of because a lot of times, uh, I mean, we, I've talked about this with a couple people, um, and their opinion of marketing in board gaming industry is we're just yelling at the same people <laughs> all the time, right. right? It's like you're preaching to the choir, you're preaching to the choir, you're preaching to the choir, but at mm -hmm. some point, you actually have to market, and marketing is actually forging ahead in new, unfound areas and untapped. Un Sorry, tapping untapped markets, right? So, right, exactly. So that's is what the, that what you're uh, looking for? Well, part of it, yeah. So the um, what we can actually do with that the Quantic Foundry's um, their system is we can show a heat map of psychographics, and that's that's there's a bunch of words, but basically like it, whatever games you like, you're compared on this map to all the other people that like similar games, and they tap into the Board Game Geek API for that, and also the uh, the survey results. So. Once you see this big picture, you can you can identify underserved markets. Uh, you can also look at the differences between different regions and determine the value of your game and where it fits on that map. And based on that map being different in different regions, you can tell how many copies you should send to North America, how many copies you should send to Europe, that sort of thing. Oh, interesting. Um, it's, it, 
we're not there yet, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> we have to, we still have to run the pilot program. We want to, we want to run this on three games. We want to compare our predictions to sales, and then we want to reiterate from there. So it could be a while, but once we hit those numbers, I think that'll have a lot of value. That's interesting. That's very, that's very, very cool. Uh, and what about you, Matt? What is something that IGA should be doing that you're not yet, or that you'd like to do, or that you've been asked to do but haven't been able to? Well, we actually have, uh, we, we've taken a lot of feedback from folks, and we have five major features that we're planning on launching in 2017. Uh, and I can't talk about all of them yet, uh, but I can talk about one or two. Okay, uh, go ahead. One thing that we're hoping to launch uh, sometime in the next few months is uh, a way for, for uh, companies that do not have games in distribution who are trying to sell uh, the 400 copies they have left over on Kickstarter to try to wholesale those to retailers. Oh, that's, uh, a, that's actually a great idea. So what we're going to be doing is I'm in the process of building an e-commerce platform for IndieGameAlliance.com where retailers will be able to create an account, log in, and buy games at a retailer discount that we will then ship out of our warehouse to them uh, so that, you know, we'll do that on a consignment basis, which means that we don't have any risk in taking games. So if it's like, I don't know if this game's going to sell, and a distributor might say, well, I don't want that because I can't get 2,000 copies of it. If you've got right. 40, we'll take them. And yeah, then so we you'd, will... become a, you'd become like almost like a consolidation house. Yeah, we, we've, we've been calling it micro-distribution. I don't know what the really the right term for it is. But uh, that, that's like part it. of the reason we haven't launched, because we, we don't know what to call it. But, uh, you know, we've already I, got... Micro-distribution's kind of cute. I like that. Call it that. Well, right? <laughs> well, no, here, here's the situation. We, we'll have a volunteer, and they'll go to a store, and they'll demo this great new game they've got that, you know, was on Kickstarter six months ago, whatever else. Right. And now there's three people in the store who love it. They want to buy it. And then the store owner comes to you and says, well, where do I get that game? And we can send them to the publisher, and that works fine, until the minion goes and demos five games like that. And they're like, well, where do I get these? And it's like, well, for this one, you got to go to this website. For this one, it's on Amazon, everything else. And the, the store owners are just like, so for us, we try right, you know, why they like distro, right? Exactly. So we want to basically say anything that you see demoed in your store, if you want to carry it, you can get it from IGA. And then we're going to, in turn, pay a higher percentage than most distributors do to the publishers because we acknowledge the fact that their margins aren't as high because they've paid more because they don't get as much of the, the, uh, the discount that you get for printing 100,000 copies of a game at once. Right. Uh, we, we do have some discounts that we offer to help lower the cost, but it's still never going to be exactly the same, so we try to make up for it a little bit where we can. Okay. And so this is almost like a, like a boutique distribution. Kind of. It, it's distribution on consignment. Yeah. Um, and and the, the, the bonus of us doing that, like I said, is we don't have to be choosy. About what we about what we take, uh, we don't have to worry about uh, you know we can't take your game because we took this game and now you know we meet our budget quota or right, whatever so you're, else. You're, like, cash. The only thing that's limiting you would be space then. Exactly, and you know you cash can always buy a bigger warehouse. Yeah, or or rent one right or something. Or, yeah, or, or you know, or, or you know, put it in your basement. I don't know. <laughs> We, we, we can't we don't have basements in Florida. You dig down four feet, oh, you hit water. Yeah, you guys are both in Florida. I forgot about that. Um, <clears throat> that sounds really cool. So it sounds like there's some, some big movements in terms of what the Indie Game Alliance is going to be able to offer for its members. And again, the membership price is roughly 20 bucks a month. 
you were saying? Exactly 20 bucks a month. Okay, good. Um, and Mike, uh, in terms of dollars and cents, what is, what would like a ballpark figure for a fairly comprehensive package from Coalition Game Studios look like in terms of time and money? Um, let's say that you submit to me Castles of Burgundy. You say, I want you to play this six times. I want you to write the reports. I want you the spreadsheets and everything like that. Uh, that'll run you about $250. Um, and that is, that's six full sessions. That's all the, the time and everything like that. Um, if you want something a bit more comprehensive with uh, some of our, our more meaningful metrics, uh, let's say if you wanted us to test it about 15 times, that might be around $400. Okay. So, so uh, the more isn't necessarily more expensive, it's actually kind of, you know, in your best interest as a publishing house or a designer to actually get more playtests if you can afford them. Right. Uh, and, and they go the the cost actually probably goes down somewhat as you add more. Right. It scales a little bit. So we're yeah. trying to the more you get, the the cheaper it'll be overall. Oh well, yeah, overall. Cool. Um, now, can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing with QSF, Mike? Uh, yeah, sure. Quick, simple, fun games is a uh, they're a, a newer publisher. Uh, they're based out of Orlando, and uh, um, we have uh, currently only have licensed products uh, that are on the market right now. We've done Burano, uh, Celestia, and um, Hanamakoji just recently, um, and those games are all. I mean, they're fantastic. I'm really proud to be working with the company. Um, just started with them about a couple months ago, and um, it were uh, we have like 17 new games slated for 2017 wow so maybe Anything more that you can so. announce or um yes so we have veggie garden and moons uh those are two games coming up in february um we've got uh mess machine which is a Dicillus uh licensed game um that one has the dice tower seal of excellence that one's uh pretty exciting that one's coming out i believe in early february um, and then uh, the only other one I can talk about, I think Russian Bash. Um, that one is, uh, that and its, its expansion should be coming out this year as well. Okay. And those are, you said they're licensed from like European publishers or Asian right, yeah. publishers. And so they're localizing them. Right. Yeah. Um, Veggie Gardens is actually uh, a local designer in Orlando. Uh, oh, nice. it's, uh, yeah. So she's, uh, this is her first game. She's uh, released it. It looks, it's, Absolutely adorable. It's so cute. I don't want to throw up. Uh, <laughs> but, I want to uh, puke uh, rainbows. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's coming out in, it should be February. Uh, and then Moons is a, uh, a Robert Burke game. Um, okay. He's a, he's designed that. We picked that up for him. Um, so that'll be, that should be about the same time as well. Okay. So not just, not just, um, not just localization. Then you're also, QSF is also taking submissions. Right, yeah. So I think um, of the of that seventeen-ish, uh, I think about ten of those original titles. Oh, nice, nice. Seventeen's a lot. It is. So it's it is it's going to be a lot of games. So. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, is it going to be eighteen in two thousand eighteen and nineteen in two thousand nineteen? Yeah, gonna... we're going to keep it exactly even to the no. <laughs> no, yeah. um, it, until it, you hit twenty one hundred, and then you're like, oh crap. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, right now the uh, the release schedule is it's basically as many games as we can do. <laughs> okay. Just yeah. uh, get into print as fast as we can. So we have we have a lot that are waiting. So. And is QSF fairly new? Uh, yeah, they started. I believe it was in the early last year. It might have been. Okay, that's what I thought. Later, twenty fourteen. Okay. So. Yeah, uh, and so I mean, this is kind of a good thing for them to actually like throw a bunch of stuff and then figure out where to you know specialize from there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, Matt, who are your biggest clients? Well, uh, you know, I mentioned some of them uh, earlier in the show, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, as we work with Tasty Minstrel all the time. We work with, uh, you know, we work with Brotherwise. Uh, we actually started the company for Brotherwise, for Boss okay. Monster. 
Yeah. Um, they they hired me for four whole days to uh, to <laughs> to be the the head of their uh, of their demo program. And where we got hung up was the idea of okay, well, you have one game. You make Boss Monster. So somebody's going to demo that game a thousand times, and then they're going to come to you looking for a reward, and you're going to give them another copy of Boss Monster because they wore theirs out. And so we said, well, what are we going to do about that? And I came up with, well, what if we get three or four publishers to join, and then you can demo from A and earn B and so forth. And they said, if, if you can get five companies to join, we think it'll be a success. And as of right now, we're at 507. Right. And so it's it's a success times a hundred and something, and so so you were so successful that they fired you apparently. Uh, no, no, they they said that uh, you know I, I offered to let them own that service, and they said basically that it would be too much of a a departure from. They said we want to make games, not game services. So they said right. rather than owning that service, we would rather be your first client and and get the word out for you. And that's okay. exactly what they did. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, a game like that, uh, and you know, publishers like Tasty Minstrel, et cetera, et cetera, that's going to lend a lot of weight to IGA because a lot of the small upstarts will say, oh, well, that game that everybody knows about is, you know, started here at these, you know, with these fine folk, then my game stands a chance. Uh, and so that's and kind of what I'm saying to you, Mike, is that I don't know who, who's hiring you. Exactly, so I know. <laughs> I, we need to know these things, man. I know. I'm going to, I'm going to. So I'm going to send you a, a message someday, and it's I'm, I'm going to be so proud of myself. <laughs> That'd be great. I, I would yeah. love to see that. Um, sorry, Matt, you were saying something? No, I, I was. You're good. Yeah, I'm good. Good. Um, <laughs> it's good that I'm good. Uh, and so, do either of you design games? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think Matt does as well. Pardon me. I believe I think Matt does as well. I, I I actually I play I had my first play test of my first game last night. Yeah! It, oh, okay. Congratulations! It, it was, it's like your zero birthday. Yeah. Well, it was it it was a uh, it was a New Year's resolution. I was like, this game this year, darn it, I'm gonna make a game. <laughs> um, you know, and it's it's one of those things. I spend so much time working on everybody else's games, mm -hmm. and it's like you know, just once. <laughs> You, you know, know who I think you should give it to? I think you should give it to the Coalition of uh, Game Studios to, like, do some work for you. No, he, he'd tear it apart. It, it's, <laughs> especially right now. It's really, really rough. I'll um, 1% off. That's it. 1%. <laughs> I'll buy you a soda and cool stuff next time we're <laughs> Thank there. you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so what's it about, Matt? What's it about? Uh, it's, it's, it's a really simple thing. Uh, when I was at my brother's house for uh, for christmas dinner uh there was a very it was very complicated trying to get all the food because there wasn't enough space on the table for them to pass the the turkey or the or the potatoes right. so what i'm doing is kind of like a worker placement game where your objective is to try to get the best food on your plate and eat it at holiday dinner and but in order to do that you've got to get rid of like the vegetables that are in front of you and you've got to give them to somebody else to create room to put the turkey so you can get some mm. So uh, that sounds fun. Well, it's, I, I was thinking about it, and you know, one of my minions was like, "We're doing an event for for Thanksgiving. What are some Thanksgiving themed games?" And it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, so so uh, I thought about it at Thanksgiving, and then I kind of forgot about it, and then Christmas, same thing happened, and I was like, you know, I got to do that. Yeah, that's cool. And what about you, Mike? Are you designing any games that you can talk about? Uh, sure. I mean, I've I've designed loads of games. I'm always fiddling with one thing or another. Um, for me, like the the primary drive of of game design is just 
just being able to create something and kind of refine the system. I, I kind of I design a lot like I develop. So I, I just want to tinker with this one thing and just like, you know, just just be proud of it. Uh, so I haven't really done a whole lot as far as like trying to get it out there or anything like that. Like a, the any of the the publisher solicitation that I've done has just been purely for the experience almost. Um, you know, someday it might happen, but it's not really like a priority for me. It's not a goal. No, not really. No. no. Um, so that's cool. Uh, if you were to talk to a brand new kind of game designer who you're just meeting at a convention or online, they've just emailed you. What's your pitch? What's your what's your pitch to them? To get them on board for a coalition? Yeah. Hmm. As a brand new designer. Um, I would say to that person, I would say a coalition is a wealth of information and experience that we can lend to you. Uh, we can use that experience to teach you a, a lot of things. And that's that's exactly what you'll get when you have a developer assigned to your case. We can look at your game. We can not only explore its weaknesses, but also explain those in language that you'll understand. So hopefully not just make your game better, but also make you a better designer. Okay. Cool. And Matt, what would you say to a new designer who is thinking about coming on to the IGA? How would you how would you nail how would you how would you close that sale? Always be closing. Always be closing. Sorry, I was writing down Mike Spiel. It was really good. <laughs> it was. Uh, so uh, with IGA, what you're doing is you're joining a guild, and 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 any gamer knows what it is to be part of a guild. It's it's about everybody working together to get better at a thing and to make every aspect of doing that thing a little bit easier and, and have a community to build it around. So, you know, you're going to get the community aspect of everybody kind of pitching and helping each other. You know, somebody will go post on, uh, you know, I need my rule book editor in our, in our uh, member group and 20 people will do it. And within an hour, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, we've got, you know, if you, if you have a day job because you're a, a an indie publisher and you can't go to Gen Con because you've got to be at work, that's okay. We'll do it for you. Uh, if you need the playtesting, we're there to help out. If you need, uh, if you need to, if you decide you're going to go to Kickstarter and you want to get stuff made, we've negotiated discounts with over 40 different companies from Board Game Geek to 14 different manufacturers uh, to an intellectual property lawyer to freight forwarding. You name it to make that a little bit cheaper to make up for the fact that they're not buying in the same quantity that everybody else is because the Alliance as a cooperative is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we do, uh, we've got a, a, a freelancer board where folks can go and find artists that have been rated and reviewed by other publishers. Mm. We've got, a, we've got a service where we help match up uh, games to reviewers and games to publishers. Uh, and when we do that, we actually uh, helped sell a game last night uh, at up at cool stuff. Um, because and it works out well for us because both the client and the, both the designer and the publisher are both our clients so we're interested in finding a good fit rather than just selling the game to the first person who'll write us a check kind of thing right so you know we we, we almost try to position ourselves as an incubator for for indie publishers we want to help to get to the point that that when you ask me who's our biggest members i list all 500 of them right you know that that's that's what we're shooting for Sounds good. Uh, and so, uh, so Indie Game Alliance, if you're thinking of yourself as an incubator for like ideas or it, it's really, it's really more, is it people who are self-publishing? Is that really what you're aiming at? Uh, more than a designer who just has a design? They actually we have to have a product, right? 
we hit all all three. We we kind of have three sort of tiers of members. One is folks that are just a designer and don't want to publish games. Uh, so folks like you, Sen. Yeah. Uh, you know, who, and, and you know, and we've got some that have published one game and that was like, I don't ever want to do that again. That was terrible. Because uh, they're smart. <laughs> yeah, my, I, I, I got to give a shout out to my friend Doug Lewandowski. He did Gothic Doctor. It did great. And he was just like, nope, I'm going to publish from now on. So, you know, and, and that's fine. Uh, for those folks, we do things like, you know, helping out with playtesting and development. We do things like uh, help pitch to publishers, help, you know, if it's, if it's a situation where I know this publisher is looking for a science-themed cooperative fast rolling dice game and then three days later another one of my clients says i can't find a publisher for my science theme fast rolling dice game you know i can put the two of them in touch with each other and we can make magic happen right uh then then we've got the folks that are the the independent self-publishers who maybe have done you know a couple of their games and maybe one or two that they've signed from other designers for them the big thing is the the discounts the demo team and the convention presence Right. And then for for the larger guys, the the tasty minstrels, the greater than games kind of thing, they've got the mechanism. They're going to be at the big shows. You know, they're going to have their own in-house playtesting and development, and that's great. And what we provide to them is more the kind of boots on the ground in-store stuff, mm -hmm. uh, and, and to kind of you know, in some cases, supplement demo teams they have of their own, uh, and to kind of help just kind of fill in the gaps for them and kind of backstop what they're already doing. Right. That's cool. Um, and would you say, Mike, that you have similar product levels for different levels of people? Um, customization? It's, it's hard to think of it as a product. It's more like a service. Like if you come to us and you describe right. your situation, we're going to, I think, Pretty much all designers have the same goal is they, they want their game to be you know they, they want it to be the best it can and regardless of what stage your game is at i think we can kind of customize our feedback and our services towards that so okay cool um i'm gonna think about oh we're at the hour this is great it's perfect because i was thinking okay what's my final <laughs> question um so um you've pitched to designers your services but I wanted to know from your perspective, after you've seen so many games, done dev on work on other games, um, you know, demoed hundreds and hundreds of games for hundreds and hundreds of designers and games and companies, what is the one piece of advice you would give to a designer? Uh, because that's usually our audience um, out there. What is the one piece of advice you would give to them if they were, uh, if they needed to your, your services, what is it? Who's going first? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, either. Yeah. Sure, I'll jump. Go ahead, Mike. So, so I'm not really sure I understand the question. You're, are you asking like, like what what advice I would give to a, a new designer? Yeah, sure. What advice would you give to a new designer? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> as a new designer, I think I think back to myself as a new designer, and I. I think about all the terrible, terrible things I made <laughs> and the, uh, the, all the pain and suffering I inflicted on my friends and family now. Um, but I think to them, I would say it's game design is it's a combination between an art and a science. And you need to combine both of those things together. If you want to make something meaningful, you have to, to measure, but you also need to use your intuition. Um, you need to listen to your play testers and, when you put all those things together, 
always remember that it's that it's also a process that there's a method there's a there's a scientific method almost uh where you you iterate you revise and you try and to, to improve over time so uh i, I guess my overall the, the summary of the uh, the advice that i'm offering would be just stay with it don't be disappointed and always try to improve excellent and there is a process good and matt what would your advice to a new designer be I mean, a lot of the stuff that Mike said is excellent. Uh, you know, my my advice to a new designer would probably last an hour and a half and not cover one percent of what all needs to be done. Uh, you know, but I think the, the the biggest thing is 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 what Mike said is, you know, don't be afraid to start somewhere. Don't be afraid to fall on your face. Don't be afraid to let people see what you've done, and, and don't be afraid to hear feedback on it. Um, understand that that very few people in this industry are going to give you negative feedback because they hate you and want to see you suffer. Uh, that, you know, generally speaking, this community as a part of the reason that we wanted to build an organization that, that kind of involves everybody the way we have this community more than any other helps each other. E you know, even with folks that, you know, you'd think, well, this guy's a, a publisher, that guy's a publisher, they're competitors, but they don't, it, it, this industry doesn't behave that way. Um, you know, everybody's about having games we love. And so don't be afraid to, to show people. Don't be afraid to, to, you know, have them tell you everything's broken. And don't be, don't feel like everything everybody tells you is right either. Because every, everybody's got an opinion. Some folks have, uh, you know, kind of more experienced opinions than others. But at the end of the day, your game is yours. And and it's it should be you know for after all the playtesting and all the editing and all the revision and all the suggestions, it's should be at the end of the day something that you can feel is yours and that you're proud of, mm -hmm. and and you shouldn't let anybody's feedback take that away from you. And and you know for, it, for some people, if they just want to make money then sure, you know, change everything, you know, license My Little Pony and go with it because that's where the money is. If you're, but if you, you know, if you, if you make a game knowing you're only going to sell 500 copies of it and you're going to be damn proud of that game, then do that, you know, and then do it again and do it again. Um, and maybe one of them sell, you know, one of them's the next Exploding Kittens. And if that's so great, buy an island, invite me over for a beer. But, <laughs> you know, but uh, until then, don't ever let the complication and the business of it get in the way of your passion for it. Cause that's what keeps you going when everything else falls away. That's great advice. Great advice. Thank you both so much. Oh, and I have a side question. Have you guys ever, ever like, um, you know, given clients to each other? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. We, we actually have, um, we've, we've talked about that, uh, quite a bit. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, we have some folks that have uh, have come to me and said, you know, I need analysis. Where do I go? And I've sent them Mike's way. And I believe, Mike, you've done the same for folks that have needed demos and such. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I see like I almost see IGA as almost like a like an agency Like you have. You have an agent and Matt's just like he's he's always on your case. Doesn't matter how many people he has uh, under him. He's he's always paying attention to your case and uh, he's looking out for you. He's going to try and meet your needs. And that's that's a lot that we we don't offer our clients. So it, if if I identify a client's need that they might get some value out of that, and most of them probably could, um, then I'd, I'd absolutely send them my GA's way. They have a yeah. fantastic service. Sounds like it's worth the 20 bucks a month, right? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you know, not to mention, uh, Mike and I have actually playtested, like, sat in the same session and playtested folks' games because we are both local, so. <laughs> well, right, right, that's true, right? Oh, one thing I did want to mention um, or ask you about, uh, Matt, was you are fostering relationships with Tabletopia, Tabletop Simulator? Yes, so uh, briefly, because I know we're over time. Uh, oh, okay. One of the things we're, we're just getting into is... Um, we found that a lot of our members, uh, specifically our smaller publishers, they want a billion folks to play test the game, but the, but prototypes are expensive, you know, and and they only can make a couple of them. And the problem is when they only make one, it goes to me, and then my pile gets to the ceiling because I can only play so, these games so fast. So we wanted a way to kind of democratize that and get folks involved. And at the same time, we've got a lot of folks who are volunteers, our minions, who just you know they have some sort of physical issue and they can't get out of the house very easily or they just live out in the middle of nowhere or whatever else like this and they still want to contribute and help and be a part even though the closest game store is an hour away. So what we found is that a lot of our members were using Tabletopia Tabletop Simulator as ways to iteratively play test without going broke because they can quickly change a card without having to print new prototypes. You know, previously our best option for that was print and plays, but, you know, not everybody's got the time and patience to do arts and crafts for three hours before they sit down and play a game. Right. Uh, for those those who do, uh, our friend uh, Brian Fiore has a phenomenal system called uh, Insert Imagination that uh, that's great for, for doing print and plays. But what we were trying to do is is kind of bring the, the power of, of our team with the cost effectiveness of that that digital platform. So now what'll happen is when one of our volunteers demos or play tests a game on Tabletopia, mm -hmm. uh, and very soon Tabletop Simulator, they've uh, okayed it. We just don't have the, the programming behind it done yet. And what'll happen is every time those demos happen, our system will every night receive a data dump from Tabletopia that says, here's what our minions played today. Hmm. And then we go through and any of our, you know, we then look through all those games and say, are any of these IGA member games? And if they are, we then uh, programmatically file demo reports for them exactly the same as if they were at a convention or at a, at a game store. And they get the same benefits uh, for doing that. So that encourages them to go do it because uh, unfortunately neither Tabletop Simulator nor Tabletopia have like a lobby where you can log in and say, hi, I'm looking for a game. So folks are all over uh, Facebook like, hey, I'm going to run a game at 9 o'clock. I hope someone shows up kind of thing. And, and having our volunteers available to do that is a great way to yeah. ensure that the designer has people to play test with mm -hmm. or that when they can't run the, the games that our folks are then going out and saying, I'm starting a game at 9 o'clock and so forth and bringing in their friends and their local communities as well. So right. we're hoping it's a way to, to do a lot more play testing for not a lot of money. Excellent. Sounds great. All right. Well, we're going to end it there. Um, there won't be an after show because it would just be me talking to myself, which is kind of <laughs> redundant and boring. Um, although I do like the sound sock puppet. Voice. Oh, I could I could totally break out a sock puppet, but I but I won't because that's kind of creepy. Uh, you should. <laughs> I should I shouldn't do that. Good good advice, Mike. All right. So thank you very much to Mike from the Coalition Game Studios and to Matt from Indie Game Alliance. And we'll see you guys in Orlando when I'm down there for Dice Tower Con in July of 2017. Um, right. So if you guys are around, um, not you, but just viewers in general are around at Dice Tower Con, uh, I know I'll be there. I think Daryl might show up this year. 
I know Andy Jewett's coming. I know you guys will be there because you live in Orlando, so you'll probably be at least somewhere around there. Um, so hopefully we'll get, have a big get together. Suze will be there. That's actually why I'm going is because I promised Suzanne that I would show up at a convention that she could get to. Um, and there we go. Yeah. So we'll see you all in July. But before that, next week's uh, show and all the shows from now on in 2017 up until maybe May, June, July, uh, depending on, on my teaching schedule, we're going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Thursday afternoons, okay? So next week, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it'll be myself and Dylan. Daryl is going down to see his mom, uh, some tropical island somewhere. And um, so he won't be around for a couple weeks. And we're going to be meeting with a gentleman from Germany, Sven Grolich, who has this really interesting thing that he does. Um, he will take your out of print game uh, that might've been localized for North America and then redo it for Germany and kickstart it. And so it's just this interesting other kind of subsystem or, you know, sub publishing thing that if you've got a game designers that isn't going anywhere because it's already, you know, run its due course in North America, but never got a, you know, a German print run because of, you know, licensing rights, that your publisher doesn't have distribution in Europe or something like that, well, here's an option. So we're going to find out about that next week. So we'll see you there, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here. All right. Other than that, we'll see you all later. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks very much, Mike. And Thanks. we'll talk to you guys later. You will. Bye.